Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Marketing Natives. We're talking with Pete Briscoe and his new venture with coaching. We're talking about why self-care should be the number one priority for you as a leader to continue to grow, where Pete thinks the church and business are headed in the next five years, and how Pete started and runs his online coaching business through an RV. This is The Marketing Natives, providing actionable ways to grow, improve, and succeed in your business. And now, your hosts, Christian and Aaron. All right, Pete, thank you so much for jumping on to uh, this episode of The Marketing Natives. Super excited to have you on. Thank you, Aaron. It's my joy. This is really uh, something I've been looking forward to. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Um, So for those who don't know who is Pete Briscoe, how would you describe him? Oh, you're asking me to describe me? Yeah, let, yeah, for yourself. Yeah, you know what? I am. I'm a regular guy who found himself in extraordinary opportunities and found myself um, rubbing shoulders with amazing people. And uh, and I'm a learner, and I'm a sponge. And so, as I got to spend time with these incredible people, I just learned and grew and uh, got to lead a church for about 29 years. Um, and in the process, got to serve and work with just some remarkable people. So I'm, I'm kind of a sum total of the people that I've met. And, um, and it's, it's been a quite a journey. See, and if you would have asked us to do some kind of intro, I don't think we would have done nearly the justice uh, right. what that. you just did. <laughs> as both amazing and humbly awesome. Um, so, as you mentioned, you're pastoring church for 29 years, but like before you got into that industry as a kid, is that something that you've always wanted to do? Is to jump into that realm or that ty- style of work? Was be around those types of people? Um. Uh, yeah, no. So I grew up in a pastor's home. My my parents led a church in uh, outside Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for about thirty years, and and the church grew exponentially um, in the years that I was in the home. It went from about three hundred people to about six thousand people in about four or five years. So um, our dinner conversations almost every night were my dad coming in and saying, "Wow, these are the three or four issues we're dealing with." to try to figure out how to manage this growth. Uh, any ideas? And he would throw stuff out at the table and we would just talk about um, problem solving. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little nine, 10 year old kid jumping into these conversations. But um, so, and as I was growing up, people would tend to say, wow, Pete, you're probably going to do this someday. And um, I just wanted to be a pro basketball player. And then I wanted to be a sportscaster. That was my dream. And um, and then I took a trip with a basketball team to the Philippines and it's kind of a long story. I won't go through the whole thing, but, um, we would, uh, kind of play the first half and then we would do a presentation at halftime and then play the second half and, and we would beat them pretty well. So the people in town would really want to listen to us. And <laughs> we would always try to connect with the local pastor that was there, um, it would lend him some credibility in the eyes of the people. And some of these towns were pretty tough. And um, there was one guy that had pastored a church in this town for about five years. And um, he had like four people in his church, one of whom was the little boy with leprosy in the town that no one would go and go close to. And 
And uh, I just, my heart really went out to this guy, right? And so we asked him to come and in introduce us and share the gospel at halftime. And he said, I'm not going to do that. And we're like, why? And he said, because if I go out there with you guys, one of you will get hurt. Because every time I walk down the streets, they throw rocks at me. They throw batteries at me. And I don't want you to get hurt. And I just said, I, I really think they won't throw things with us there. Let's take the risk. And so halftime came, we sang a song in Tagalog, their language. And then this little guy walked out uh, to present the gospel and everyone started booing and hissing and whistling. And he just talked for about five minutes. Couldn't hear a word he said. And then he walked off and I just felt so sad for him. And after halftime, I'm lacing up my shoes and I see his little Filipino feet walking towards me. And I thought, what am I going to say to this guy? And I looked at him and he was smiling from ear to ear. And I'm like, what are you smiling for? You just got booed out of the place, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, I, I've been praying for five years for a chance to share the gospel with my whole town. And tonight was the night. That's all that matters. And and I just watched him loving the people around him and was laying on my little bamboo mat in my hut that night. And I thought, you know, if that's what it means to be a pastor, that's that's what I want to do. I just want to be with people. I want to love people. I want to help people. And that sounds like a good way to do it to me. So yeah, it was, uh, it was weird because my dad pastored this huge mega church and I was never really drawn to that. And then I uh, was really drawn to the pastoring world when I saw it in a guy that pastored four or five people. And so that was always my heart was just to help people and love people. And it, it, go ahead. Still, still doing that technically. Right. Um, tell us about mm -hmm. your new endeavor. My new endeavor. So yes, after after 34 years actually of church ministry, which we absolutely loved, it was just a joy. Um, we came to the end of our time and we thought we really need to do something different. Um, and there were a lot of reasons around that. But as we as we thought about what we wanted to do and what we needed to do, we just didn't really know at that time. We knew we wanted to serve people and love people, but we didn't know what that was going to look like. And so we decided to breathe a little bit. And so the crazy part of our story is we didn't know where we wanted to move. And we felt like it would be healthy for the church for us just to, to leave town and get out of the way so that the church could not have us around. And so we thought, where, sh where should we go? And we didn't know. So we sold our house and we bought an RV. And I literally live in a 40-foot motorhome now with my wife Libby and we drive around the country and and um, and we went to different national parks and we would just park outside and go into the park and hike and just catch our breath and um, it was just so good for us to to get some time like that um, and then it also gave us time to dream about what we're going to do next and so what my wife Libby and I are both doing now is we're doing coaching um, we're coming alongside people um, helping them uh, move from this point in their life to where they want to go in the future, right? So counselors kind of look backwards and try to help you sort through struggles, trauma, things that were hard for you to get you launched into the future. Coaches kind of figure out where you are now and help you uh, get going uh, into the future. And so that's what I do. I do, it, I do it in two different ways. I do it with pastors and then I do it with executives and business owners. The common denominator are people who are point leaders in fairly large organizations. Um, it can be lonely at the top, right? Mm, and, yeah. um, 
And so it's a lot of the same struggles really that pastors of large churches have and pastors of organizations have, or leaders of organizations have too. So I'm doing two things with those two groups. Um, I'm doing communications training. So that's kind of the one thing I do. I've been a professional talker for 35 years. And so I help people, I help people learn how to talk better um, in front of people. And that's just a blast. I just really enjoy doing that with pastors. Obviously it's centered around sermon coaching, um, help them improve their preaching, but with executives, you know, a lot of executives, the last speech class they took was back in seventh grade or whatever. And every once in a while they got to stand in front of the team or they got to stand in front of the, the stockholders or whatever. And they got to, they got to talk. And for some of them, it's not a very natural thing. So I want to be available to help uh, with that. But then more importantly is really talking about their inner world. Um, a lot of leaders neglect self-care um, on the mistaken notion that if they work 24 seven, the company's going to be stronger. Um, the fact of the matter is a healthy leader is much better for, for an organization than an unhealthy one. Someone told me years ago, there was a time when I was working too many hours when, when our church was growing exponentially and I was just working too much. And one of my, my leaders pulled me aside one day and said, the biggest gift you can give to Bentree, that was the name of our church, the biggest gift you can give to Bentree is a healthy Pete. And you need to figure out how to get healthy. And, and so that's a, that's a message that I share with business leaders and executives. It's like, you know, the biggest gift you can give to this organization is a healthy you. And oh, by the way, wonderful fringe benefit, your life gets better too <laughs> when, when you start to take care of yourself and you start to do those things. So that's a really long answer to a really short question, but um, I'm, I'm trying to dive into, into what's really going on inside and how I can help um, um, men and women get their arms around what it looks like to actually live healthy in a healthy way. When when you're teaching um, people now, or you're coaching people now, rather, um, you have so like you've mentioned this film room session, and you kind of equate that to like an athlete. Can you explain a little bit more about what this film session is? Because I feel like you touch on it; it's like a little taste on the website. But maybe you can expand a little bit on what actually is detailed or entailed with that. Yeah, uh, thanks, Aaron. Uh, it's uh, <clears throat> yeah, so. Uh, I was a college athlete. I played basketball in college. Um, I, I mean, full disclosure, I sat on the bench and watched my teammates <laughs> play basketball in college, but um, I was a very valuable member of the bench. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I loved I loved the game and I just, I loved to play hard and um, I loved the coaching aspect of it. I loved to watch coaches draw the most out of people. And then uh, we had three kids um, my, our, our daughter played volleyball and basketball at Hebron High School. Then our, our two sons both played uh, basketball and football at Hebron. And then our oldest son played college football. And so um, it was really fun talking to the boys after their, college, after their football games. And they would go in early on Saturday morning and sit down with their coach. And, you know, the defensive coordinator and the defensive end coach would sit down with Cameron and go through every play that he had the night before. And and mostly pointing out areas for improvement, right? I mean, some of it was encouragement. It's like, wow, you did that really well, but that's kind of what we expect of you. These things need to, these things we need to clean up. And, and it was just remarkable watching, 
watching the kids improve over time because of that in-depth personalized coaching. And then, you know, when I was in seminary, one of the most helpful classes I had was called a preaching lab. And uh, it, it was really fun because you would stand up in front of about six or seven other students and they had evaluation forms and they were all sitting there just evaluating you, which, you know, that's not too unnatural, right? And then, and then the professor is sitting in back with a video camera and he's videoing the whole thing. And then you sit down for a video session with him. And, um, and that was really intense. It was hard to watch yourself. I, I don't know if you, you guys ever listen to your podcast <laughs> after you're done. Oh, yes. <laughs> we do. Yeah. And we regret it. It's, it's, it's hard, right? <laughs> yeah. It's yes. like, man, I sound so much cooler in my head. Than <laughs> yes. You know? and, uh, and so, and then when you're, you know, when you're preaching, you're trying to convey some deep truth that matters to you. And so you're passionate about it and um, you can pick up bad habits and stuff. And so uh, that was so helpful to me um, that I thought I'm, I'm going to start doing this with young leaders that I'm trying to develop. So over the years at Ventry, what, we had a teaching team. We had a lot of teachers on our staff and and I just started doing that with them uh, where I would s sit down with a video of their message. I would go through it first and come up with a bunch of input. And then I would sit down with them and force them to watch it with me. And I would point things out and, and then give them two or three things to improve on. And then we would do it again the next time they taught. And over time, you just, you just get better when, you know, if you, if you're, evaluating yourself practice isn't enough you have to practice and then evaluate your practice right if you're just practicing and you're never evaluating it you're not you're not really going to get better but if if you're evaluating and then you have someone who knows a little bit more than you evaluating it you're going to really learn a lot and so that's that's what i do um, right now i'm doing it all with pastors but um you know they send me a link of their sermon and i go through it and then we hop on zoom and we throw it up on the screen and we watch it together and and then they uh, they practice those things, and we do, you know, minimally we do six sessions like that. And over six sessions, I'll give them between fifteen and eighteen specific things in total to change and to improve. And you know, after six sessions, they're just better because there there's things that there's things in communications that you should just never, 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 never do. They're common mistakes that people do all the time. And then there's simple strategies too, that if you can employ some of these simple strategies, um, you can just improve your communication exponentially. And so I, I try to tackle both of those things. If I see things that are hurting them, I'll point them out. I'll give them alternatives, alternative ways to do that. And if, and if they're, um, if, for example, if their structure is muddy, it's not clear, it's not, it's not easy to follow where they're going, that's just really easily correctable. There's simple structures that you can employ that uh, just make the make the speech or the sermon or the message much more effective. So it's a lot of fun. I just we laugh a lot and we just have a great time. Um. So if you don't mind sharing, I'm I'm curious now because I'm I'm thinking of myself just auditing, and I'm sure the people listening too. Are, um, obviously, the our audience is business owners, leaders, um, what are the common mistakes that you see? Um, like you said, there's a couple of common ones that are like a, a, you know, a common thread. What would you say those are? And hopefully we're not doing them now, but I'm just like, no. Really <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've some in one of my, 
one of my trainings that I, I just worked with a, a whole teaching team in McKinney, Texas, just this last week um, from, a, from a church. And one of the sessions I did with them, or I call them the killer bees. They're just, I think I have 13 things in there that you should just never, never do. So I'll just throw a couple of them out at you that would apply across the board. Um, one of them is that most people who are not used to speaking publicly struggle uh, both starting and stopping. And if you ever watch someone who is kind of thrust into giving a speech, um, it like takes them forever to get started. And then a lot of times they just don't know how to end. And so they just start looping at the end and everyone in the room is just like, oh, please just stop, right? <laughs> and so, so they struggle starting and they struggle stopping. And so, you know, one of the things that I teach uh, I teach my clients is that um, experts tell you that when you have an audience, and this is pretty old data now, but when you have an audience, you have 18 seconds to grab their attention. If you don't have their attention in 18 seconds, you're already losing people, right? And I, I would think nowadays it's less than 18 because, I mean, how long is a TikTok? You know, is it what, eight seconds or whatever? I mean, things things nowadays, they're just shorter, right? And if they get going a whole lot longer than that, we just click onto the next video, we go to the next thing. It's um, our attention spans have shrunk exponentially in the last 15, 20 years um, as media has become so mainstream. And and so I, I tell my clients, you know, 18 seconds is really pushing it. If you haven't grabbed their attention in eight to 10 seconds, um, they're already starting to look at their phone or they're thinking about what they're going to do after the speech. And so, um, so one of the things I really drive home is you, the very first sentence you say when you start will probably determine whether people listen to you or not. Mm -hmm. And so you have, to, you have to really think about that. So, if, for example, for you guys who are just starting your podcast, um, you know, just if you're thinking, man, I've got 10 to 12 seconds to grab their attention, you would probably you would probably strategize how to start it uh, really carefully. You'd probably maybe potentially even write out your first sentence mm -hmm. and practice it a couple of times and just launch in so that you're grabbing people and heading off. And then, you know, as they're trying to end, um, one of the things I'll, I'll, I'll use is I'll, I'll just talk about the analogy of an airplane that a, sp a speech is like a plane ride. And so, you know, when you're taking off on an airplane, you don't just go straight up. Um, you don't just launch in, you grab their attention, but then you carry them along and then you launch into your speech. You take some time to, you take some time to, I mean, there's lots of different ways to do it. The, the most effective way to do it is to create tension. Um, and it's not easy to create tension, but you want them squirming in their seats before you get to the point that you're trying to get across to them. And so this is all part of the introduction. It's all part of, of what we what we learn about. But then as you're landing, as you're landing the plane, you don't just boom, you know, you just don't go straight down, which is what a lot of people do because they don't know how to stop. So they just say, okay, I'm done. And they walk off and it's like, that you've got to land, you got to come in for a landing, right? And you've got to do it so that people can feel um, feel closure with the message and and there's specific things that you want to accomplish at the very end of your speech that help people remember what you want them to really remember so it's all purposeful and 
We're going to restart um, just the thought- beginning of this podcast. Well, I was going to say, the good, <laughs> the good thing is we do record the beginning of the podcast at the end. But I, this, is, yeah. <laughs> this isn't really a question, but it's um, it's interesting to see or to talk to you on this side of it. Because I remember the most vivid um, series or message that it's ever happened in my life was actually from you. And I remember um, the series on Daniel. It was like a, I don't know, five or eight week series or whatever. But I remember every single week and you did exactly that. Like you would always start with a story to relate to us. And I was just like drawn in. And as you mentioned, like I was just, I don't know, like at the edge of my seat of what's going to happen. I'm like, well, we're going to talk about this next week. Um, <laughs> and then, so it just kind of like left us uh, wanting more. But yeah, you always introduce it with some kind of story to like draw us in and then take us to how it relates. So um, it's not really a question, but it's just, uh, it's interesting to hear this from the other side of it now to know yeah, what was going on in your head. Things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, th- yeah that's, I th- go ahead. I, I, I think, uh, I like a lot of times when, when you hear a great speech, um, it just, it sounds natural and, and the, and the person who's giving the great speech is, is usually extraordinarily well-prepared. Right. And so it just flows. And a lot of times. You know, a lot of times some people just have two or three great speeches that they just do over and over and over. So they're really practiced on it. And and it seems so natural that it's like, oh, man, that that looks so easy. It looks easy to do that. And the fact of the matter is, it's really not easy to do that. And there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to create the illusion that this is just a natural conversation that we're having together. Um, but what's cool is a lot of it's just really, it's really easy to get your arms around once you know about it. And for example, you guys will probably, if you're smart, you'll probably, which I know you are, you'll probably, have a conversa- <laughs> you'll probably have a conversation about, okay, how do we want to start our podcast so that we're really grabbing people's attention up front? Um, and if you wanted to continue the conversation, it would be, how can we create tension like, so that people are literally, as they start to listen to your podcast, they're like, man, I can't wait to hear the answer to this. I got to hear the answer to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys are marketers, you know what it means to create a need or a felt need, right? And that's kind of what you're doing in speeches too, is you're helping people say, wow, that's, I really need to know the answer to this. If you're not creating that tension, speeches tend to come across pretty flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, such it's such a great point. I feel like we could have a, a whole lot. Like I said, I I gave you the prelude, the beginning of this. That hey, we're gonna have you come back on later. So <laughs> we'll have to have a whole conversation specifically around that. Okay. <laughs> um. So with what you're doing now, how, more so, how long have you been doing it? Or like how long? Obviously, you've been in this profession for 35 years, and now you're just honing mm-hmm. in on the coaching side specifically. Um, but like, how long has that been going? And then like, what have you enjoyed most about the, the coaching side of things? Anything yeah. that surprised uh, you? So, uh, the, how long have you been doing it question? It's you, you're very insightful the way you asked it, because I mean, the short answer is I've been doing this for 35 years. Um, because especially at Bentry, Bentry's full of just incredibly gifted sharp people, uh, many, a lot of business owners, a lot of executives. And I got to walk with them through life over the last 30 years. And so a lot of the stuff I'm doing now with clients, I, I just did with, with my parishioners over the years. Um, 
but the um anything surprised me i think i think as i've started to started to work with clients i think um not much has surprised me i think so what 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 i really what i'm really trying to do is i i have conversations with um with these folks and and i talk to them about the fact that there's kind of two aspects to a fulfilling life um and as i'm talking about this i'm not necessarily talking about spiritual just talking about kind of what does a good life look like um if i wanted to do something with my life that was fulfilling what would that look like and rich and and one one is the science of achievement and the other is the art of fulfillment and they're two different things so the science of achievement um it's science because there's just been a lot of studies done on how to be successful at something and it's not it's not hard to get input into to get training on the specifics of building a business for example or running running a business or whatever um there's best practices you can learn the best practices you can try to employ the best practices if you if you invest a ton of energy and probably the life savings <laughs> into your company if if you really are diligent you can probably figure out ways to make and it's all much of it is science right it's figuring out the right way to do things or the wrong way to do things and avoiding those and so a lot of the people that i work with they've they figured out the science of achievement years ago i mean they they're very successful they know what they're doing um the art of fulfillment however is a different thing and the reason the reason they struggle with that many times is because they they believed the lie that fulfillment comes from achievement so it's like if i just achieve a certain level uh, a certain size of a company a certain uh, bottom line in my bank account if i achieve x then fulfillment will all of a sudden show up in my home right mm -hmm. which of course it doesn't work that way at all um achievement can bring momentary joy and fulfillment but it doesn't bring lasting fulfillment and all you have to do is look at people that have made it and see how driven they are to make it again to realize that it it doesn't bring lasting fulfillment right and so what does bring lasting fulfillment and i think um i'm not i'm not really surprised by this but one of the things that really strikes me often in working with really successful people is is how no one ever taught them the art of fulfillment side of life and it's art because it's not like science it's not it's not systems and processes it's not best practices it's it's art like we're all different individuals and so the way that i'm going to experience a fulfilling life is going to look different than the way you experience a fulfilling life and obviously i i think the spiritual aspect is a huge piece of that but there's there's a lot of other aspects too that uh really aren't rocket science um and and if and if you are willing to invest um energy and focus and time in some of those areas you can start to experience fulfillment regardless of whether you're achieving uh to the level that you hoped or not and so um so i think the surprise or the thing that strikes me is just how many really extraordinarily successful people there are that don't know how to experience a fulfilling life um because they've been so good at the achievement side i would have just assumed that they would be good at the other side too but it just doesn't seem to work that way and a lot of the things that 
you really need to invest in to experience fulfillment in life, they don't have time for because so much of their time and energy is going into the achievement side. Yeah. And I can, I can definitely look or see myself as that, that whatever you just described, you know, looking at achievement and not fulfillment. Um, and that's, you know, we also have business coaches and, um, that's some of the things that they speak directly to us, you know, about those things about, uh, I think you touched earlier about, you know, self-care, um, and the importance of, for me, for example, I work in an office almost all day sitting down and have no time to really get out of here. Right. And Mm -hmm. we sort of implemented just this 15 minutes every day around three o'clock I get up and I walk the trail and I just call it my reflection walk. Right. And Mm -hmm. it does wonders. Like in my head, I'm like, no, I need to work, 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 work. Right. And I don't have time for anything else, not anything, anything else to fulfill me. Right. I just need to get that achievement. Um, Mm -hmm. But that little time of, of reflection brings hours and hours of of fulfillment and even more achievement right to my mm-hmm. business and my my personal uh, life yeah. so it's yep. taking those little moments of breaks and self-reflection that actually brings out the most output out of you um those moments of not doing much right it doesn't feel like you're mm-hmm. achieving much um but it, you really are uh, so yeah absolutely Absolutely, Christian. It, yeah, we, we call it white space. And if if you don't have any white space, so you look at a, a book, a page in a book, and if it's an academic book, there's not a whole lot of white space, right? They, they push the margins out to the edges. They get the, they get the print as far out. There's, there's less space in between the lines. They go higher and low. I mean, it's just all copy and very little white space. And then you look at a children's book, there's a lot of white space in a children's book, right? And authors and publishers know that if you have white space on the page, it leaves more room for imagination. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a beautiful metaphor really for white space in life. If you, if you have no white space in life, if you have no downtime where you're not producing something or accomplishing something, um, it's basically like a page with copy all the way to the edges. And over time, there's just no room for creativity. There's no room for ideas. Um, it, it wouldn't shock me at all, Christian, if some of your best ideas in the next year happen on your little walk around the trail, mm-hmm. uh, because you, you'll have been taking your brain out of out of work, work, work mode and giving it a little white space. And that's where creativity happens. But it's also where it's also where health happens. Right. You know, one of the things I, I point out to people is, you know, God took a day off. I mean, if God takes a day off, you could probably take one, too. Right? Like. Sunday, the seventh day was his day. I mean, he, he didn't have to take it. It's not like God was tired and he needed to take a day off. It's like he, he knew it was healthy um, to stop working and to uh, do other things. And, and so I know you don't want to push that metaphor too far, but, um, but it's really um, basically taking some time off is, is creating white space so that you can be healthy, so that you can um, pour into your relationships. And so you can be more creative and, and then you just bring much more to your company because you're healthier and you're more, you got more energy, you got more focus. Um, you know, the, the, the poor folks who are working 18 hour days and barely getting any sleep, um, you know, four or five months into that routine, they're just not bringing much to the game. They're, they're working really hard, but 
they're not helping much. Pete, I see you is a visionary for a lot of different things, but and I want to talk about like the future of what you see for um, business leaders and pastors um, here in a second. But before we jump to that, I want to take a time here to talk about um, our middle section, which is the tip for tip section. And for those who are first time listeners or been listening for a while, you may know um, when we have a guest on, we like to ask them or have them ask a marketing question if they have one, and we try to answer it on the spot. Um, but it's tip for tip. And it is, if you're familiar with us, we used to do this as a video show only on Facebook. Um, but now we are expanding it to the podcast and we'll break it up that way too. But just want to leave it over to you, Pete, if you had any, a marketing question, Corby, several questions, doesn't matter, but just a marketing question that you have in your business that we could help you out with. Um, <laughs> yeah, th- thanks for the opportunity. I mean, I, I was a pastor for 29 years and now I've started my own company. And so I, I literally had to read a book on accounting because <laughs> I've always had, I've always had a team to do my accounting for me. Right. So, uh, so I'm, everything is brand new for me, the sales, the marketing side, it's all brand new. Um, and so, yeah, my, my question would be when you're starting from scratch, um, what would be, what would be the best way to start? Like, would it be to buy ads on Facebook? Would it be to use your social media? Would it be to get out and, and get to physical settings where there's people that you might want to be introduced to? But um, what would, um, if, if you guys were sitting down with a client and they were just getting their, their business started and they said, I, I can only afford to do one piece of marketing uh, to get launched, uh, where would you guys point him or her? Very good question. And honestly, the fact that you answered or you you kind of gave your own answer in there, which is like uh, our best piece of advice is to tell people don't try to be everywhere or ch- like most people mm-hmm. tell you be on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and wherever else and LinkedIn. Um, and our approach to tell people is just dominate one thing and move on to the next. Don't worry about trying to be mm-hmm. everywhere because if you try to be everywhere, you'll be mediocre more than likely. Um, and as you mentioned, mm-hmm. You're trying to figure out accounting, you're trying to figure out your processes and you're trying to work with clients. And then you're also trying to figure out social media, which could also be a full-time job. So I would say find a platform that you know your audience is on and then find out one way to communicate with them, whether that's through video, whether that's through tag or like written word, like copy, uh, whether that's through a podcast, however it is and, and create content around that for you. Um, and to be successful online through social media, you have to become a local authority. I think what's good about you is you you have so much experience, so you already have built that authority. Now people just need to know about you, and they need to mm-hmm. know, have a way to communicate or like receive the, um, your information. So focus on one thing. I think you're a very good writer, so I don't maybe that's the way you go. I don't know, or if you'd like video, but I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. But just focus on one of those. I don't know if you had anything to add to that, Christian. No, it, it just kind of got reminded of a, a tweet not too long ago where it's very simple i think it had uh, it's a 2008 semicolon and it had you build a product then you find the people that want to buy their product in 2020 it's more of a you need to build an audience and then you can sell them a product or a service right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i think even the way that you, yeah you build or communicate um should be more towards you're just building a community right you're building a community mm-hmm. of pastors or business owners um then you can you know worry about 
selling to them, selling them services, selling them product, et cetera. Um, but nowadays, yeah, building a business is more of you need to build this community first um, and then transition into, okay, how can I actually help this community that I built? Hmm. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. Very helpful. Yeah. I'm taking notes. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. And um, I was going to say, and I, I look forward to uh, seeing posts on, on Facebook and updates and stuff from you. So um, it's, it's very, it's, I don't know, it's cool to see that. So I definitely know that you are a, like, I think you had a post on Facebook. It was, I would normally not read this, but as you said, you have like uh, 18 seconds or so to catch somebody's attention. I think it's the same mm -hmm. thing for the written word. I'll read like three or four lines. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't intrigue me, then I keep going, then I don't keep going. So yeah, there's yeah. definitely a gift with the writing side, whether you choose that one or you choose mm -hmm. video or podcast, I don't know. But um, I feel like you could start a podcast and just dominate that because, um, blogs just to give you an idea there's 17 or 18 million blogs and there's a rough <laughs> yeah <laughs> podcast though there's only like seven or eight hundred thousand in the world and of those seven or eight hundred thousand um most of them don't make past like 10 episodes so mm. it's an uncharted territory it's like the wild wild west so maybe you go that route i yeah. don't know you can always mm. convert podcast episodes into written you mm -hmm. know, yeah you posts, dictate so. it that way too yeah mm. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. That's great. So we mentioned before we jumped through this tip for tip section, um, I always like to see, I don't want to jump too far ahead because I think the world changes so quickly, but where do you see the the church or the pastoral industry or the business leaders? Like, what do you see? What kind of shifts potentially are happening in the next five years? And where do you see yourself like uniquely suited to fit and help them? Um, it's interesting, Aaron, because th those are two very different worlds, right? Mm -hmm. So what a pastor is dealing with right now and what a, business leaders dealing with right now are two very different things. There are, there are some commonalities. Um, certainly there's financial instability, which both kind of leaders dealing with right now. But, um, but I, I think on the, on the church side, I think what a lot of pastors are struggling with and pastors are really struggling right now. Um, uh, I was with uh, three of my pastor friends from Dallas recently. <laughs> and one of them had just, um, been involved in kind of a roundtable conversation with some some leaders, and um, someone shared the statistic that over over fifty one percent of pastors in the last uh, number of months, maybe six months, have had suicidal ideations. Whoa! I mean, that's that's over half are thinking, I don't I don't know if I can keep doing this. Um, that's that's a staggering statistic. I probably should have been careful about throwing that out on your podcast because I I can't tell you where it came from but um but i've i've heard enough anecdotal conversations too recently about um pastors struggling that i, I know it's just really hard and if you think about it, it makes sense they're mm -hmm. they're people people and and all of a sudden they're talking to a camera every sunday instead of to real people and and people in their in their body are struggling but they can't really minister to them and then People are online, but they're not really there at the church, so they don't know how many people are still in the church. And are, I mean, it's it's a time of true upheaval. But I think it's also, I think, uh, and you didn't ask me this, so I don't know if I'm answering your question or not. But it, 
it, it's such a time of upheaval for the church um, um, b- because the, the way we've always done things, just they're not really working anymore. And so businesses have to tackle this too, right? You know, Blockbuster, you know, heard about this thing called Netflix and they didn't, they didn't really make the adjustment very quickly, right? And it cost them. And so things are always changing that um, historically the church has kind of, kind of, kind of breezed through those things because it had these traditions that were, that felt timeless. And, but even a lot of those things now in our culture, they're just not, they're not really valued anymore. And so um, I had a pastor ask me just last week, you know, does the church even survive COVID? Which, I mean, that's a, it's a hard, it's hard to even imagine that we're asking that question. And, and my, my answer would probably be something along the lines of, I'm not sure the churches we've known it will survive COVID. I think the church is just going to look very different on the other side of COVID. And then you would say, well, what's it going to look like? And I'll tell you, I have, I have no idea. Um, I think, I think there's going to be some incredible innovation. I think there's going to be moving back towards smaller contexts as opposed to big, huge um, auditoriums. I think there's there's going to be some trends that come out of this that actually are really good for the church, but it's going to stretch pastors. It's going to stretch them really thin because they're going to be having to do things that they've never done before. Um, I mean, COVID, you know, a number of churches had never live streamed their services before until COVID and all of a sudden they're not allowed to meet. Mm-hmm. And, that, and so these these poor pastors are, they're literally trying to learn all this IT stuff on the run with no one there to help them. I mean, it's, a, but that's just the tip of the iceberg for the innovations that are going to have to happen. So, and I, I think on, on the business front, I think, um, you know, my, my focus with business leaders is on their inner world and on who they are as people, as human beings. Um, I, I don't pretend to say I'm going to come in and help your business go to the next level. That's not my, that's not my role. They know more about business than I do, but, but my role is really to, to do a deep dive into their soul, into their heart, into their, what they're feeling, into their relationships and just uh, talk about, you know, how can we, how can we be more healthy as we're leading our organization? And so because of, because of COVID and a, a lot of the other tensions, I mean, the political tensions are just escalating and, um, you know, companies are having to make decisions all the time. And so the stress level is just going up and up and up and up and up. And what we tend to do when the stress goes up, um, if, if we struggle with fear at all, is the anxiety starts to take over and we take much worse care of ourselves. We, we just, our mode of operation is to work harder, to work more hours. And so we just work more hours and more hours and more hours, which is the exact opposite of what we need to be doing. We need to be taking care of ourselves more now than ever. Um, and so, you know, what, what can I offer? I mean, I, I simply come alongside people and, and we do a deep dive and then I'm there for them on phone calls, um, as they're grappling with the stuff that very few humans really know what to do with. I mean, I don't, I don't know the answers. You don't know the answer. There, there, are there even any answers? <laughs> I don't right. even know if there are answers to some of this stuff, right? So how do we as leaders navigate unanswerable conundrums? um in a healthy way without it without snapping at our wives and without neglecting our kids and all those types of things and that's that's what i'm trying to help people do that's very very powerful what would be i guess 
looking into the future for your own business, um, what what are, I guess what are you most excited about, or what do you think you're heading uh, with your business? Do you want to like grow it like crazy? Do you want to try to keep it small and kind of keep traveling? Um, where, mm-hmm. where do you see yourself? Um, that's a great question, Christian. I I'm um, I really love living in an RV. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really cool having wheels on your house. You know, I mean, we we're literally chasing seventy two degrees, and um, and basically living outside national parks all the time right so i mean it's just it's beautiful the the downside is there's a lack of community so we you know we can start to feel a little lonely um we're in these beautiful places but it's just the two of us and our friends aren't there and so and so i think we're going to land somewhere at some point our hope is that as we drive around we'll find a place and just go oh this is it let's Mm. let's put our roots down here but because we don't know how long that'll take, um, we are both really building our businesses so we can do them from the road. And so um, my my goal, because basically what I'm selling is my time and my my experience and expertise, um, I'm I'm not looking to build this huge massive organization. I think on the on the preaching coaching side, uh, my hope would be long term to bring on some other coaches. So because they're just there's just a huge need. I'm I'm full on my preaching coaching docket already. And literally all I did was post that one Facebook post that you read, Aaron, and got my web page out there and, and I'm I'm full and I just don't have I don't have margin for any more at this point. So um one of the things I'm gonna do with that is I'm going to um I'm gonna launch a program of some kind. The the other thing, I mean some of the people that I've done consult calls with for my preaching coaching, um uh, in one week, I had a, a call with a guy in England, um, a guy in India, and a guy in France. And and none of those three guys could afford my services. And um, and so I'm I'm like, how do I how do I help guys like this um, that I know I could help, but um, I just you know I've I've got to severely delimit how, because because my business is me working one on one with people. I've got to just delimit how many clients I can have. And so scaling is going to be a challenge for me. I've got to figure out what that looks like. But on the preaching side, I'm going to start a course um, that people can get into for much less than my one-on-one coaching costs. Um, And we'll keep it to a group of 10 or 15 and there'll be interaction and coaching in that format. And, and that's a way for me to be able to serve more people and also to serve people that couldn't necessarily afford one-on-one coaching services. And, and so I'm excited about that. Um, on the executive and business side, I, I'm I'm really thinking that's just going to be one-on-one coaching, and um, I don't know how else to I don't know how else to help people in those types of positions on the kind of stuff we're talking about. It's just it just requires in-depth one-on-one conversations, and but I just love that. I mean, I I just love being around people like that. They challenge me, and I learn so much every time I'm with them, and and um so yeah i'm you know the question you asked earlier aaron is how long you've been doing this in one respect i've been doing it for 35 years but you know i launched my business about three months ago mm-hmm. <laughs> so as far as just the business is concerned it's very young and i've got so much to learn and one of the biggest things i got to learn is how to scale this thing in such a way when what i'm selling is my time and that that's just a challenge i don't mm-hmm. i'm not 
I'm just going to have to learn from from people that have done consulting for years on how they go about doing that. And I, I haven't even started to do that processing yet. On the community and course aspect of things, I recently stumbled on circle.so. So if you should search on online, okay. circle.so. It's a, a white label sort of community platform where, you know, people can, you know, pay and you can have different sections, kind of like a Facebook group, but outside of okay. Facebook, you have your own mm -hmm. sort of website and um, you can, you know, label it however you want. Um, you can have your uh, videos laid out in there, um, a section where people can ask questions and different things like that. Um, just a resource. I know mm. I, I found Great. it the other day. Thank you. Um, just kind of, yeah, looking for, for stuff. So um, I'll definitely check that out. Thanks. Yeah. All right, I want to transition here to some some rapid fire, more fun questions, on, and because uh, I want to be respectful of your time, Pete, but also want to get in some uh, some some fun questions outside of the business realm. If you're ready, absolutely, let's go. Okay, <clears throat> what purchase of a hundred dollars or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months or in recent memory? <laughs> <laughs> One of the awesome things about living in 350 square feet is you stop buying stuff. <laughs> it's like we just don't have any room for anything. But uh, wow, that's a hard question. 100 bucks or less. Um, oh, my goodness. You know what? Uh, I, I recently bought a yellow legal pad because I used to do all my white space thinking on legal pads and I've tried to transition to an iPad and electronic and typing just that it wasn't working for me. So I bought my, and my creativity went off the roof. So I'm going to say yellow legal pad. Nice. Okay. That definitely counts. <laughs> that counts. That counts. <laughs> um, wait, are we just doing the, Bold ones? Yeah, let's do, well, yeah, let's do, ooh, no. Let's do, uh, this one's very specific to Pete. You can go with that one next. <laughs> what is life like in a class ARV, and how long have you been doing this? <laughs> so we've been in the RV just over a year, and life is just so much fun. It's so stinking fun. And that being said, the learning curve was mind-boggling so i <laughs> i mean i the day we bought our rv was the first night we'd ever stayed in an rv we've, we've like oh we gosh. have never done this right we flew to las vegas to buy it from a couple <laughs> that we found online and we got out there and the guy was incredibly gracious he's become a great friend of mine and he was a former faa engineer and he used to inspect airplanes and so this thing was just clean and he had taken meticulous care of it and he he took two days to train me on it but when it's got a 450 horsepower diesel pushing engine in the back i knew nothing about diesel engines it's got a generator it's got a furnace it's got air conditioning it's got wiring it's got plumbing um and then you drive it down the road and and then you set it up and break it down and i mean the learning curve was just ridiculous and so um i had to change my mindset I mean, I, I literally, a number of years ago, I, I survived in my world by figuring out what I was really good at doing and then getting other people to do everything else. And I like, I don't have a staff anymore. <laughs> so it's like, I got to do everything. And so 
So the RV life is incredibly fun. It's so cool to be able to just pack up and drive somewhere beautiful and just set up and just be there. Out in the Western United States is what's called BLM land, uh, Bureau of Land Management. It's just public land. It's American land. We own it. And you can just camp there for free as long as you want. And we have solar panels on the top of our rig. So we can, we can literally go out in the wilderness for nine to 10 days and just sit there. And, uh, and so it's incredibly fun. I love it. I recommend it. There's, there's almost 2 million people living full-time in RVs in America, which if you think about that, it's just ridiculous. And wow. if you try, if you try to get into certain RV parks, you believe, you believe it because some of them you have to book a year in advance just to get in the park. And, and so that's why we like boondocking, which is going out into, into the wilderness because you can just drive up and pick a spot and that's a lot easier. So that's a long answer to a short question, but we're having uh, a blast. That, no, that's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, I want to do a shortened version of that to try and a test drive. Cause I feel like you guys kind of had to pull the rip cord. You're like, well, this is going to be our home. We better figure this out <laughs> like quick. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's yeah. Oh man, I got so many stories. We could do a whole podcast about these <laughs> stories. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I was gonna say we could talk the first half of the next podcast about communication. The second half about like RV mistakes. Don't make these or like. <laughs> oh man, there's a long list. <laughs> All right. So now that you have a little bit more white space in your life, um, do you guys have? Well, you obviously have internet and stuff, but are you guys on? Are you watching anything uh, like Netflix or Disney Plus or Hulu or anything like that? What are you binging uh, right well, now? First of all, first first of all, you made a huge assumption there about having internet because oh. I mean that's one of the challenges, right? I mean, we'll we'll be parked outside Capitol Reef National Park in Utah for two weeks and have no internet. Oh wow! And so. We'll have to like drive to town and find a coffee shop to to get Wi-Fi just to send emails, right? So that's that's a chat. That's one of the challenges of this life, and part of part of our challenge is making sure we can find a place to park that does have does have coverage. So we're we're working on all that. But um, you know what? We don't have Netflix. Um, we have Amazon Prime, but I can't remember the last show we binged. We we. We tend to work all the time. <laughs> we're, I mean, we're both building our businesses. And so, you know what that's like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's all consuming and there's so much to do. And so uh, we, we watched, um, I can't remember the name of it. I can't remember the name of it. It was just a sappy, a sappy show about a family that was kind of back in the past and in the future and, this is this is an awful answer to your question. I'm not a, I'm not a TV guy. I, I need a TV to watch my Mavericks and my Packers. Other than that, I don't really need a TV. Yeah, Packers won yesterday. That's a crazy game. Yes. Um, okay, so I guess the last question here, and you, I don't know, you do, do you keep up with the NBA? I do. Yes. Okay. Big NBA fan. So, so who do you have? LA or Miami? Yawn. <laughs> Over your head. I, yeah, I, don't know. I agree with you 100. Yeah. percent Really? I'm just, I'm just kind of just depressed that it's just the same, same guys. I, although, I mean, I, I would want to see Miami would beat, beat LeBron, but same. I would just love to see. <laughs> I'd love to see some new blood in there. And I, I, I actually, 
I don't like my Miami because of what they did to my Mavs back in was it 2006? I just mm-hmm. thought the Mavs got the raw end of that deal. But um, I, I'm just really impressed with what they've done. And uh, I think Spolstra is a much better coach than we realized he was. And I love the way they play. I, I just, I mean, they play basketball the way you're supposed to play it. They play as a team and they play defense and they pass the ball. And so I'd, I'd, and then LeBron will do something and new LA will win. <laughs> yeah. It's just as depressing. To me, but. <laughs> but if you're, so you're Mavs fan, when we're Mavs fans as well, one good thing about the Mavs is it looks like the future is brighter. You know, it looks like oh, we're, man. we're just a couple of pieces away, a couple of things away from really putting a full uh, game together where it's like, okay, we can make a deep run um, and absolutely make it happen. So, and you, you've got a transcendent player who has the ball in his hands 80% of the time, and that's a beautiful thing. Oh, my gosh. So, so fun to watch him, too. So young and yeah. just amazing. Yeah, huge fan. <laughs> Pete, this was absolutely amazing, but we one major thing we need to have for everybody um, who's listening right now, how, what is the best way for them to connect with you, um, to reach out for you for services, uh, follow along mm-hmm. with your journey as you continue to grow? Yeah, so uh, probably the simplest way is just, just to message me on Facebook. Just search search for me on Facebook and, and then just message me. Um, I can throw my email address out there too. It's just my name. So Pete Briscoe, and there's an E on the end of Briscoe. So B-R-I-S-C-O-E at me.com. And if they just want to email me, I'd be happy to reach out to them. And, but simplest way is just to hop on Facebook and, and message me and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pete. It was a blast. Like I said, we definitely are really planning the the next session here in the next year or so to, to have you on here. So thank you so much for jumping on and thank you for your time. Hey, thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Christian. It was it was great hanging out with you guys. Thanks yeah. for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. The Marketing Natives Podcast is a production of Bit Branding. <laughs>